And so I think that folks need to relax on the one of these coordinators or both of these coordinators needs to go in the offseason. No, they don't. I think they're both going to stick around. I think they both should stick around. Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, Director of Published Content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. You can follow me on social media at Easton Freeze. I am joined by being here live at Food Boss Craft Pizza and Tap House in Spring Hill, Tennessee. JT, producer JT, joining me as always from somewhere in New Jersey. Is that correct? Yep, here at, here at the Jersey Shore right now. Um, Jersey back in Shore. The, back in the saddle in my makeshift... Uh, little setup here but why are you uncomfortably tan and wearing obnoxiously large sunglasses uh Isn't that what you have to do you know, at the jersey shore yeah i that's that's something for the summer so when i come back this summer i'll put on the full guido look then um, <laughs> completely we, different vibe we, we, we can we can go from there but right now it's it's been it's been cold it's been sure. rainy this entire time so mm. n- not not the right vibe right now but i'm good Cold and rainy is brutal. It's been less cold, but also rainy here in Nashville. And we are back here on the Hot Read Podcast. Excited to be back. Took uh, our midweek show off. It's a holiday week. Everybody's moving and grooving, hustling and bustling, getting to family members' houses, and having a good time with friends and family over the holiday. I know that I had a great Christmas. JT, how was your Christmas? It was good. Uh, got the whole family together here in New Jersey, so that was good. Um, some good. Did you get anything spent. exciting? What did, we get? Um, what did Santa bring us? Hmm. Santa brought me new I, shoes, so uh, that was nice. Um, I also I saw that Santa. You told me that Santa brought you some schmeckles to spend in the best bet gauntlet. Is that correct? Yeah, you know, if if I wasn't if I wasn't good at this, I, mm-hmm. I probably would feel worse about it. But yeah, sure. I did end up. Uh, getting not one but two different uh, sports betting gift cards, which is a first <laughs> for me. Um, you know, and if if we weren't so good at this, I probably would have a different outlook on it. But you know what? That's what, what I'm that's saying. Just... When when you're a bad better, that's just money being thrown. It's like getting a lottery ticket in your in your stocking. But for you and I, it's actually just it's like a savings bond from grandma. It's an investment. This is yes. money going to be turned into more money. Yes. So it's actually the best gift of all. Uh, we are, of course, going to be back on the grind with the Best Bet Gauntlet Week 17 edition here at the end of the show, our favorite segment of the week. Uh, we'll have to bra- I'll have to brag on JT, who had not his first, but his second perfect week of the year. Went 5-0 and last week. We as a show went a scorching 8-2, and and our show record is now north of 60% on the year, which I know, JT, you and I came into this year after our success last season saying we should really soak that up because the regression is coming for us, but we looked regression in the face and said, not this year. We smacked it upside the head and said, try again next time. And we have been doing a phenomenal job on the best deck gauntlet this year. And uh, I know we're proud of that. So we're going to keep that rolling this week. Uh, my Christmas was great. Spent a lot of time with friends, family. Uh, Santa brought me a bunch of if those of you that I think I told this story in the podcast. So I got my backpack stolen when we were in London covering the Titans in week six, uh, had my backpack stolen. So Santa brought me a bunch of replacement stuff for that. Uh, at the end of my Christmas, I got to put together my backpack full of stuff. And it was like, I had recreated a backpack that was stolen. I got all of those things back. So that was cool. Um, I got a robe, which my wife thinks is hilarious. When I'm, when I become a father one day, I'm going to, I've already, I'm going to, I'm locked and loaded for being a dad eventually. Uh, so that's good. So it was a good Christmas. Um, I hope everybody listening with us live had a phenomenal holiday break. I know a lot of people still on their break with New Year's coming up this Monday. We, of course, today are going to be spending most of our time previewing the Titans at the Texans, a a matchup in which we finally get to see Will Levis compete against one of his contemporaries from this 2023 rookie quarterback class. It's going to be really exciting to dive into all of that. And we'll talk a bit, a bit about the Titans draft position what uh, can happen this week to help or hinder them in their pursuit of the highest possible pick, along with some news with producer JT, all of those things coming in more before we do a couple of housekeeping things. First of all, I have to tell you about our wonderful, amazing sponsor, Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House. My friends here at Boomba's, where I currently am sitting, no studio set up today. I'm not going to lie to you folks. JT is the producer of this show. And uh, he, I've said many times before that he is what, 
really keeps my head screwed on tight. If, if I didn't have my head attached to my shoulders, I'd probably lose it with this show. Um, and he's the one that helps get set up with all of our tech and everything. Uh, he's in New Jersey. So this week I'm just here with a laptop and headphones. I really just phoned it in. I'm not going to lie to you people. Um, but we're, it's going to be a quality show with less than our regular quality of production value. Uh, I, that's just the case today. And you're going to have to deal with me for one day. Uh, but we'll be back to our regular production value come our Sunday reaction episode. Uh, but Boombox Craft Pizza and Tap House is fantastic. It's not as fun without you here, JT, but you can bet that as soon as this show is done, I'm going to be heading to the bar, hanging out with the good people that are here in attendance. We've got a couple of parties here. Maybe I'll join the party scene. I don't know. People are having a good time, and I feel like I'm missing out sitting here talking about the, the dreadful Titans. So I'm going to be joining them soon, uh, grabbing a couple of drinks, grabbing something to eat, watching the Browns and the Jets. Tonight, the Jets having to watch what they could have had and what they once had in Joe Flacco. Probably tear them apart, so that'll be fun. They do a phenomenal job here at Boom Boss Pizza, creating a great atmosphere for watching sports and creating uh, some great pizzas and great drink selections for you to wine and dine on. So it's a great time. I recommend you check out Boom Boss Craft Pizza and Tap House if you're in the Middle Tennessee location, uh, in the Middle Tennessee area. There are three locations uh, at which you could go and imbibe. We have Middle Tennessee locations in East Nashville in spring hill where i currently am and in murfreesboro so whichever location is nearest you go and check it out it's boom boss craft pizza and tap house we love being sponsored by them also if you're tuning in with us live any questions you have today on the titans we're kind of in this weird phase like listen this team it's over for this team this season it's all about the draft stock and we are so stoked jt and i spending a lot of times a lot of time behind the scenes preparing for what should be a, a phenomenal offseason We've got bigger and better plans this year with our draft coverage. It's going to be amazing covering all of the uh, free agency moves this team makes, of which there are going to be, I'd imagine, quite a few with their $80 million-ish to spend the most in the league. they got to spend it on somebody or some buddies, and there's probably going to be a couple of big names that get added to this roster. So we're breaking all of that down soon as the uh, season is, the regular season is wrapped up for them and we get to the playoffs. But for now, we are talking Titans and Texans. And if you're watching with us live, if you have any questions about that, feel free to drop them in the chat. You can do that by joining us over at YouTube, Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page. Find this live stream there. And in the live stream comment section is where you can join uh, Visa, who's already here, who says, bring on the best bet gauntlet. Time to make some money. Absolutely, Visa. That'll be coming your way in just a minute. Okay. It's been 12 minutes of the show. I've successfully buried the lead long enough. Let's dive into some stats and information for this Titans-Texans matchup, JT. Some numbers for you. From a betting perspective, the Titans currently plus four and a half at Houston. That number's kind of jumped around today with the announcement that C.J. Stroud will, in fact, be healthy and cleared and ready to go for the first time in two weeks from that pretty gnarly concussion that he suffered. So they're going to be a pretty significant road underdog. The Titans are in this one. Titans under Mike Vrabel against the Texans are six and five straight up four and seven against the spread. So one of the few teams against which Mike Vrabel has not been great at covering and securing the bag for betters that backed him one and five against the spread in their last six. So really not a good trend there. Uh, that dates uh, dating back to last year. The Titans have lost seven straight divisional games as of now. So that's going to uh, be something that they have the potential to break over the next two weeks as they see two divisional opponents, but uh, they're certainly going to be underdogs in both. So it's going to take a, 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 uh, a what's the word I'm looking for here? An, an upset. <clears throat> yes, a, a, a big feat for them to, to a come up. A big feat for them, an yeah. upset for them, uh, which I, I do want to talk a little bit in a, a second about how I kind of do expect them to upset one of these two teams. Um. But those are some numbers there. Stroud, for his part, has made 13 starts so far in his rookie NFL career. He is 5-2 against the spread as an underdog, but just 1-5 against the spread as a favorite. So this is a uh, this is a moment where we have two trends meeting, and something has to give. Either Stroud, as a poor favorite, covers for once, or the Titans find a way to get their first divisional win in seven consecutive tries. Some numbers for you from the Titans team they sent us today that I think are interesting for us to talk through, JT. The Titans have thrown for 20-plus yards this season with Will Levis on 16 of 124 attempts since Week 13, just tied for fourth best in the NFL. The Texans, for their part, have allowed 20-plus yards on 14% of attempts since Week 13, which is the third worst in the NFL. So 
with will have us back in the saddle this week, which we're expecting. Not confirmed yet, but we're expecting. Um, the offensive line situation continues to somehow get worse and worse each week. But if they find a way to get the receivers downfield and give Will Levis enough time to uncork uh, the ball, there's going to be opportunity for them to take the top off of this Texans defense. As for red zone defense, and JT, this is we've been talking about this for a couple of weeks now. It remains, I think, the funniest stat of this Titans entire season for all of their failings, for all of their shortcomings in the season, and there are plenty. This Titans red zone defense has been consistently phenomenal they've been the best in the league in the red zone defending uh teams keeping them from getting in the end zone forcing threes and not sevens which is a big key to winning games they've been better at that than any other team in the league for a large part of the season the titans have allowed just two rushing touchdowns in the red zone since week 13 which is tied for fifth fewest in the nfl the texans have just two rushing touchdowns in the red zone since week 13 which is tied fourth fewest in the NFL. The Titans also, just generally on the red zone defensive front, they still remain the best team in the league at forcing teams to kick field goals or turn the ball over, uh, as opposed to getting into the end zone and getting those seven points. So we'll see if that continues to trend in their favor this week. A couple more numbers for you. Pass rush for this Titans team. Getting home at a bigger and better rate, it seems, each and every week as we get near and near to the end of the season. The Titans have sacked the quarterback 15 times since week 13, which is tied for most in the NFL. The Texans, for their part, have allowed their quarterbacks to be sacked 17 times since week 13, which is the second most in the NFL. So a big, big opportunity for the Titans. Defensive front, missing Jeffrey Simmons this week and playing against Tier Tart, who is now a Houston Texan this week. A little bit of a revenge spot for him. In uh, do, do you know, JT, did he play last week? Or is this going to be his first week playing? I don't know. I think, I think this will be the, his first week. I can double check that, but it, I, I think um, with him joining, only getting, yeah, only being right. able to go over there last week or so, I don't think he played in that game. Um, yeah, but but I think this will be the first time that that Tier Tart gets a stab at um, at his uh, former team. So that's going to be a big one. Um, but but without Simmons or Tart on the interior, you're going to have some replacement level guys in there on the edge. However. Harold Landry, who continues to streak here at the end of the year, look really, really solid, look like himself again, uh, uh, coming off of that ACL injury. Uh, Arden Key, Tanika uh, uh, Audrey, those guys are going to get in there and have an opportunity to decide the quarterback quite a bit. Jacob in the comments brings up a good point. Says, good red zone defense. Sounds like good coaching to him. Bowen deserves more credit than he gets. Jacob, I absolutely agree. We're going to talk about Bowen in particular in a graph that I found interesting this week that some folks had some pushback for me online that I want to elaborate on and talk about what I think it actually means uh, and what, how I think it is an indicator that Shane Bowen is not even close to near the top of the list of issues for this Titans defense. We'll get into that in just a second, but I'm glad you brought that up. Just a couple more numbers for you that I find interesting. And uh, on Thursdays, you know, we, we love to run down the, the, the nerdy numbers for the folks to be well-equipped as they talk about this Titans team. Wes on Broadway, a colleague of ours here at Broadway Sports Media, he tweeted out uh, a list of where all NFL teams who have been eliminated from the playoffs rank in pass blocking efficiency. The Titans, JT, come in at a lovely 32nd out of 32 in the NFL. They have the worst, and I cannot mean if you've told Easton of August this, he would have really had a hard time believing you. They somehow got worse on the offensive line and pass protection this year, even though they went out and intentionally got guys that were supposed to be better in pass protection than who they had uh, in the past couple of years. They fell so flat, and they are dead last in the NFL to this point in pass block efficiency. Uh, one more. Well, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to save this for you because we'll dive into this in a minute. Um, Jake, Jacob in the comments saying, yay, graphs. JT, do you have any general thoughts on this team in this game, maybe reflecting any of those those numbers we just ran down? Um, what stands out to you about this matchup, besides the fact that, again, we're going to finally get to see Will Levis and CJ Stroud on the same field at the same time and compare those two uh, in the same game? 
Yeah, I mean, first of all, like you just said, Stroud versus Levis, it, 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 we finally are going to be able to get that matchup. You know, uh, we talked about having a couple of these matchups this year um, as Levis versus Anthony Richardson was not able to happen. And nope. then also um, the first round of, of Levis versus Stroud also did not happen. So it's good to finally see him uh, go up against another one of these rookie quarterbacks. Remember last time, Will Levis got the best of Bryce Young in that game at Nissan Stadium. Now they have to go on the road to Houston here. But I think it's going to be a fireworks uh, show, like like we said in that first Do one. You. Getting okay. Will Levis back um, is going to take what 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 we saw last week with this Ryan Tannehill-led offense. And I think it's going to put a little bit of juice back into that. Um, and I think for sure just getting Will back in there um, will, will – help this offense kind of get over that hump that was last week. We, we saw last week with Ryan Tannehill was, was he looked obviously rusty throwing, not really on the same page with a lot of his and receivers um, throwing behind a lot of his receivers this week. I like, like we said um, 16 of 124 attempts since week 13 have gone for more than 20 yards. And this Texans team has been allowing a big play. Certainly last week, um, this Texans team was giving up uh, everything and anything to Amari Cooper um, and, and have allowing him to set a franchise record for receiving yards. In 250 a, in a yards. Um, it was, it was bonkers. Yes. It, it was, especially since that, that, Houston Texans secondary is actually like pretty solid. Like they have some good dudes, but in that game, Derek Stingley was getting absolutely, um, was going absolutely sliced and diced by the buzzsaw that is Amari Cooper. And, uh, and I Joe think Flacco. And, and, Joe, and Flacco. Joe Flacco, of course. No and, and if they can do that, I expect Will Levis, who wants to get back in the saddle for sure as the competitor he is. And as well as DeAndre Hopkins being a divisional rival for the first time uh, in his career going back to Houston. Uh, I'm sure they're going to want to try to uh, probably not get to what Amari Cooper did, but at least um, uh, make a statement for themselves as well. I'm expecting it to look pretty night and day, but what we saw from Ryan Tannehill last week, what we see from Levis this week, we've seen him practice a couple of times this week already. He looks significantly more comfortable and mobile on that ankle. looks like he's ready to go. Certainly all indications this week are that he's going to be a go and be uh, not super hampered back there. Obviously he'll get it taped up maybe get it shot up for the game. And so it won't be a hundred percent. Nobody is at this point in the season, but I, I think that he's going to be mobile enough to show you that downfield ability, show you that movement ability. And last week, Ryan Tannehill only had one pass go for more than 15 air yards, one pass of 15 yards downfield, none of over 20. So uh, just, just one pass in that 15 to 20 range. The rest was he's hitting, he's hitting the guys underneath. He's getting the ball out on time ish, but uh, at other times really hurting the team with how long he's holding onto the ball and trying to find an open receiver. I think with, with Levis, you're going to see him push the ball downfield, obviously, which is going to be a big difference in, in itself from what we saw from Tannehill last week. But the other thing is that movement ability and more importantly, his effectiveness when he moves from the pocket, when he's moving and scrambling back there, creating another graph. It's a big graph day here on the show. Another graph that I, I was talking about on social media this week was um, one that charted how often quarterbacks play from outside the pocket and their EPA on those plays. So essentially, how often are you making plays when you are no longer in the pocket? And on those plays, how successful are you? Will Levis is near – in fact, he's actually second in the league of qualifying quarterbacks through Week 16 um, for EPA per play outside the pocket. So when he is outside of the pocket, only – this is going to blow your mind – only Joe Flacco is more successful this season. He is just above the likes of Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, Brock Purdy, Joe Burrow, Matthew Stafford, Dak Prescott. Um, so and Kyler Murray, the, a lot of mobile guys in there, a lot of elite quarterbacks in there. Levis is above all of them this year when he's moving out of structure and the percent of plays outside the pocket. Will Levis, so the number of times he's actually doing that, just above average. Um, and so that's the kind of thing you look at and you say, man, maybe the Titans should just get Will Levis out of the pocket. And again, it's like pocket, not much of one that the Titans team offer him um, very often. But like maybe do that as much as reasonably possible. Maybe boot and move and and roll out and and shake. Like do as much as you possibly can to get him 
forcing the defense to see a different picture yeah, right. and allowing him to run, right? I mean, this seems really obvious. We talked about with James Foster last, was it last week, two weeks ago? Last time we had James on, we talked about this. And James was essentially on the same page saying, I'm not sure why they don't do it more often. Yeah, it's really interesting, even though we don't have the graph here. Um, if you look at it between Ryan Tannehill and Will Levis, both of them are almost dead set, like parallel to each other. Um, for how much usage they have outside the pocket. It's just Will Levis has been so much more effective when they do that. I think that has something yeah. something to do with Ryan Tannehill being old and then Will Levis, they, they use him basically the same way because uh, I think Will Levis has been dealing with this injury and his mobility has been hampered, I think, for a little longer than a lot of people may realize. Um, obviously, he's been dealing with some nagging injuries all the way since uh, training camp, so... And it'll be very interesting going forward now that Will Levis looks a lot, a uh, lot more spry than he has in a couple of weeks now. Um, seeing if they can do that for the rest of the season and then beyond. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's good company to be when when you're you're kind of hitting at a mark right by where Josh Allen does on, on outside the pocket, and I think that's what uh, people are excited to see because that's why he was drafted with how big of an arm he has and how effective he can be. Um, I think going forward, they definitely need to do that. It's just a question of can the protection um, hold up to let him get well, out I'll, of the I'll pocket. go ahead and answer that question for you. The answer is no. Yes. Uh, and I agree with you that the, the age is certainly one thing for Tannehill. The other thing really is with, with Levis, it's that, like you said, the physical skill set that he has allows him to be more – dangerous to it to an opposing defense when he is out of the structure when he doesn't have the perfect base when he's throwing across his body um when he's throwing across field across his body which we've seen him try to do and successfully do a couple of times despite all odds this season so that kind of thing is 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 what makes him good at, at that and, and is the explanation behind why he is again set i don't know how joe flacco is so to be fair to be fair joe flacco is one two three uh, one, two, three, four. But he's fifth fewest in the league, um, fifth, fifth lowest in the league in terms of percentage of places out of the pocket. So very, very rarely is he moving. It's just when he does, when old man Joe gets to scamper him back there, he makes <laughs> he makes a play. He's still got that arm strength. Uh, you've got a different scenario with Will Levis, who's doing it far more often than Flacco and doing it at that really high clip. Um, another another graph that I want to talk about, the, the Bowen topic that I teased a moment ago, I want to talk about here in a second. But Kenneth in the comments. A couple of, of thoughts from him. We always appreciate Kenneth. Thanks for being here, man. Uh, first of all, he says, please, Vrabel, make it. He's looking to the offseason already, which I can't blame him for. Please, Vrabel, make an experienced offensive line coaching hire outside of the organization. Friends and family, Vrabel, O-line coaching plan is not working. Uh, here's the thing, Kenneth, and, and you know we've talked about this. You know you and I differ on, on, on the, the blame pie for this team a little bit. I am not going to sit here and tell you Jason Houtling, the Titans' current offensive line coach, is good at his job. Because I have absolutely no idea. I have no indication whatsoever that I can point to and say, well, look at this, though. He's doing this. Or look at this in the past. Look at his look at his record. Doesn't really have a record. And doesn't really do anything this year with the Titans' offensive line. Makes you say, okay, he's making something out of nothing. Totally fair. I'm 100% with you. The issue, of course, and this is the case with a lot of these coaches, I have a really hard time putting a ton of blame on these coaching staffs, depending on the, the players at their disposal, right? And 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 Jason has been dealing with, you know, this. Like, I don't, I don't need to name all the offensive linemen for you. This offensive line, really only one offensive lineman that is actively good and another that is actively serviceable. Um, you know, Brunskill has been a league average guard on the right side and uh to to his credit chris hubbard before he got hurt was around league average slightly below league average right tackle um and and you had uh so i'm getting distracted from my phone here you you, you of course have peter skronsky on the left side who's i think folks are a little bit down on i've had a number of different folks asking me to speak like man skronsky like kind of a waste of a pick seems like he's kind of mid let's pump let's pump the brakes there on that uh he look at his season-long numbers, the season-long metrics and what he's done, and you consider the situation he's been in with a, a you know, a, 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 a rusty toaster to his left and a, a you know, a, 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 a wad of barbed wire to his right. Like, 
he's not been in a great situation, and yet his raw metrics are very, very similar to some of the very best interior offensive linemen rookie seasons in the league. You name interior offensive linemen around the league, you're like, this is the this is what you'd like him to turn into. It's been really similar to that. And so the fact that he's put together a couple of fair, uncharacteristically bad to mediocre performances here in the past couple of weeks, that is concerning. And uh, it's, it's impossible to know how much the surgery and the wear and tear of a long season is starting to have a, a, an effect on him. I'm not worried about him, JT. Are you, I'm, I just, I, I can't, I can't really be bothered um, by these past couple of games thinking about his career long-term. Is that concerning you at all? No, because I think we also talked about this. We, we talk all the time about how O-line is not sexy. It is not something that uh, you want to talk about a lot and for good reason, because it, it it is things like this where it is one of the positions that is the most important, but also takes the most time to develop. We've been talking all season about how, you look league wide that some of the greatest tackles and offensive linemen and so on and so forth struggle in their first and second year. It's a big developing thing for, for an offensive lineman to, to go from rookie to being a top uh, league uh, guy. So I think patience is the way to go with Skaronsky and, and to your point where it's a waste of a pick. Like, of, of course you could think that because any other really position, they're going to have a, a, a better impact week in and week out that you can see. Um, sure. But, but in the case of Skaronsky, there's not a lot that he can do. Like you said, um, he, he can't, he can't play every position. He can't, we can't clone Peter Skaronsky and play him on uh, every single position on the offensive line. Although I think many of us wish that we could. Um, but yeah, I think patience is, is what we need to practice with Skaronsky and just getting him that experience um, in, in this kind of lost season. So to get back to what Kenneth was asking, and I totally, I mean, I, I immediately took the off ramp on this topic. I'm sorry, Kenneth. Kenneth was talking, of course, originally about Jason Houtling, the Titans coaching staff at offensive line. So let's get back to that. Um, he's not had, we've established this, he's not had great players, great chess pieces to work with. I am with you more on this, though, Kenneth, than I am on really any other coach on this staff. Houtling's the one guy who, again, I have to, I have to keep bringing up. He has not had it easy. He's not had guys that are going to set himself up to look good. And yet, pretty much every other assistant or position coach on this team, I can point to something this season, whether it's in the tape, whether it's player developing, um, whether it's uh, lack of miscommunication, uh, good cohesiveness out there on the field in a group. Like, I can point to something for pretty much every guy in this coaching staff and say, here is a little bit of proof of the coaching working, of the coaching mattering, of them getting as much juice out of the squeeze of this group as possible. Houseling's the exception to that. There really isn't anything there. Um, and so, again, I think it's unfair to say definitively he is not good at this job, but it is equally as unfair to say he's good. We just, you know, you got to give him some good players in there because we don't have anything to indicate that's the case. So if they went out and got a much more experienced, proven offensive line coach this offseason, I would be all for it. I, I, I do think it would be unfair to Houseling to have him fired, because, again, I don't think he had a chance to really prove himself, and he was put in a bad situation. But sometimes it's the breaks. In the NFL, you get paid a lot of money. Sometimes the way, that's the way it works. And so I don't disagree with you on that front at all. I don't think it's their number one issue or number one priority this season, but it's one that they can address. And I think that they probably should. Kenneth. The other thing from Kenneth that I, I wanted to address in the comments, uh, he says, outside of Levis, who needs a positive end of the season the most Burks or Chick? If, if, if it's just, if, I don't know if he's asking in general, and those are two uh, options. I think so. Um, but if, if it's a binary between those two, it's obviously Burks. Chick has had a sneaky, really nice, a uh, couple of weeks here. JT, if you wouldn't mind pulling up, we, we should acknowledge the Chig numbers here. If you wouldn't mind pulling those up for the past couple of weeks. Um, he's been right around 50 yards like every week for five or six in a row at this point. Do you have it pulled up? Yeah. So, I mean, you would, you really wouldn't, um, you really wouldn't believe it, but second in the second in the team in yards with 458 on the season, all, season, second, long. all season long, he, wow. he's also second in targets. Um, with 67 on the season, 
Um, and you know what we talked about Chigakonkwo last year, right? We talked about him being this guy yards after the catch, like he's sneaky elite in it. That was the stat that was being thrown around at the end of that season. Well, in year two, despite the drops, despite a little bit of a sophomore slump to begin the season, um, he he's improved his yards after the catch per reception and his average Yay. depth of target. Those have both gone up in year two. Um, and I, I tweeted a couple of those numbers out and I said, this was more of a don't draft Brock Bowers, uh, tweet, but <laughs> still it, it must be said that, yeah, like you said in his last, um, three games or so it, against Seattle, six receptions for 63 yards and a touchdown against Houston. He had three receptions on three targets for 36 yards and, uh, against Miami, five receptions for 46 yards. So you're seeing him average around that uh, 10, 10 and a half aver- uh, yards per catch. And, and so that's been, he's been very solid and a good security blanket for Will Levis when needed. Obviously the drops at the beginning of the season, um, he's gotten past that. I think we can, we can say now that um, he has that confidence back. And um, yeah, I think, out of those two, like you said, Burks needs to continue uh, what he's doing um, and get better every single week in order to kind of feel like he can move on with from the season and focus on the future. But Jig, man, he, he's he's been good all season despite uh, just a couple glaring issues, and I think he's only going to continue to get better. All right, let's talk about Shane Bowen for a second, and we're going to dive into uh, rooting guide for the Titans this upcoming week, what, what you should be hoping for them to accomplish for the rest of the league to accomplish to help the Titans uh, with their draft position. But first, I want to dive into Shane Bowen. Um, there was a chart by a great follow-on on Twitter, if you're on X, at Arjun Men on 100. Arjun is fantastic with all things NFL analytics, a really brilliant young upcoming mind in the NFL. Uh, this is a, a chart he put together of coverage predictability defensively uh, and efficiency for NFL defenses. So it, effic- it effectively groups every team in the NFL into one of four points. Good defenses and bad defenses on top and bottom and predictable coverage schemes and unpredictable or often mixed up coverage schemes on the other. So you've got good defenses with predictable coverage, good defenses with unpredictable coverage, bad with, bad without, right? That makes sense. Um, so the Titans, they fall very squarely, very, no, no, uh, in a, no, uh, no, no uh, blurred lines here. They're all the way in the corner of one of these quadrants. And that quadrant is teams that mix up coverages a lot, but they are not good defenses. And I really wish somebody would answer that phone. You can hear that background. Um, I mean, I'm begging you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, so the Titans are essentially the, the poster child for a team that has complex schemes this season, but bad players, just not good defense. And I put this on Twitter and said, guys, Shane Bowen, he's really trying out here. I mean, he's trying so hard. Look at how much He is mixing his coverages, how much he's trying different things, and he just does not have the guys out there. And a lot of folks came back at me and said, pump the brakes, Easton. Mixing up your coverages a ton does not a good defense make. It does not mean that a good coordinator make. It does not mean that you are good at what you're doing from a coordination standpoint just because you're trying a bunch of different stuff. And that's totally true. I did not mean for this post to be a, look, this one chart proves that Shane Bowen is good at his job. Absolutely not. It is just one plot point in the much, much, much larger picture here. But it is a plot point that I think matters. And what I think it does tell us, JT, is that he is doing a lot of work to try different things to do one of two different things, in my opinion. Either he is trying to mix things up in an effort to try to find something, anything, that works for this group of ragtag players and, and well, some of not all ragtag to be fair, just this group with some glaring holes and he's just, he's throwing anything at the wall to see what might stick. And that is, I mean, there's nothing worse than a coordinator, like some coordinators that I'll leave unnamed from recent past in, in Tennessee, who deliberately would do the same thing over and over when it did not work and refuse to try something different. So Shane Bowen, absolutely not in that category, but also what he could be doing that for is when you keep, the opposing offense on their toes when they don't quite know what is coming their way any given snap 
that can help mask personnel deficiencies. You don't necessarily have to have to have the best players out there um, to, 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 to win a rep, to win a snap against an offense that is better than you if they aren't quite sure what they're looking at, if the quarterback isn't quite sure what he's looking at and they don't fit the look very well. A great example of this is on the exact opposite of this chart because a lot of folks pointed this and said, well, look at the Browns, right? Best defense in the league this year. Their coordinator, former Titan staffer in Jim Schwartz, who folks attribute far too much credit for this Titans defense of pass to. I know this for a fact now, folks. However much you think he helped with the Titans coordination of this defense in the past, it wasn't that much. It, he helped, but it, it wasn't that much. Um, he's on the exact opposite side. He's all the way up in the corner on an island, that his defense, Jim Schwartz and the Browns, of predictable coverage scheme but good defense. He is the cover child, or the cover child, the poster boy. Where's child? I don't know. The uh, the, post, the poster boy for a defense that says every single week to their opponents, you're going to know exactly what we're throwing at you, and we don't care because we're just, we got the better guys. We got the better dudes. And that's not what the Titans are. They're, they are the exact opposite. And so folks point to that kind of thing and say, well, why are a lot of the good defenses this year, the Jets, the Niners, the Cowboys, the Browns, uh, the Steelers, the Saints. Why are they in the predictable coverage scheme good defense quadrant and not the good defense mix-up coverages a lot quadrant? And that's a fair point. I think it's unfair to discount how there are a lot of very good coordinators in this league in the same territory as Shane Bowen on this chart who just don't have the guys this year, but we know they are proven commodities defensively. Okay, in the territory with the Titans down here, you've got Big Lou Anarumo with the, with the with, uh, the Bengals, who's been doing more with less on that Cincinnati Bengals defense personnel-wise for years now. Proven elite defensive mind. You got Bill Belichick over there. You got D'Amico Ryan's with his new and young defense in in uh, Houston. We know he's a good defensive coordinator. That's why he got the job. We know he's good at it. And we've sh- we've seen flashes flashes of that great coordination from this team this year. They don't quite have the horses yet. Like, those are the guys over – Dan Campbell is in this territory. Uh, yeah, there was another one who uh, – we I cut it off here in the rundown. There's another one uh, here that I, I meant to mention, but I can't see which team it was and I forgot. But the point being, I think it is fair to point to this and say, Shane Bowen, he's not banging his head against a wall. He is trying new things. He is trying to make chicken salad out of chicken. You know what? With this defense and with this personal situation – which is certified garbage at this point. I mean, you've got guys, you've got guys out there playing defense at this point in the year for this Titans team who would not be playing on any other defense in the league this season at, at any point. Um, and, and he is he's in my recent memory against the Dolphins. I think he put up his best coordination effort of his career as a Tennessee Titans defensive coordinator. That was a Bowen masterclass. So Bowen's not the problem. He's been far from perfect. He is not the best coordinator in the league by any stretch of the imagination, but he is a good defensive coordinator. We have seen the defense that he runs work for this Titans team for the past three years. The difference has been personnel, not what they're running. And so I think that folks need to relax on the one of these coordinators or both of these coordinators needs to go in the offseason. No, they don't. I think they're both going to stick around. I think they both should stick around. Uh, Kenneth chiming in the comments saying Bowen has an incredible red zone defense. But the problem is the teams managed to get the red zone, get into the red zone quite a bit as well. Lockdown outside corner is right up there after offensive line and receiver in terms of needs. Absolutely, Kenneth. And I think that that red zone defensive stand, but very often take that you have is indicative of the fact that Bowen, again, this is one of those things. I think Bowen is doing this out of necessity. He's saying we can't afford to be aggressive defensively between the 20s. We're going to get burnt. We're going to have the top taken right off of us. We've got to sit back, drop seven, drop eight, try to win with our front four, try to win with simulated pressures between the 20s, let the team dink and dunk their way down, hope they make a couple of mistakes in the game that that turn the tides of the competition. And in the red zone, we are going to rock up and keep them from getting sevens. We're going to force threes. That's the philosophy you kind of have to have when you've got deficient defensive personnel. So that's where the Titans are. Okay, off my soapbox. Let's talk about rooting guy for Titans Week 17. JT, before we move on, any anything from you? I don't want to. I don't want to take anything away from you. Give me thoughts on that topic. Um, the only thought is that yeah, I, I would say that it's pretty hard to have a good and competitive defense when you have Trey Avery out there for almost every single play. Like because the depth yeah. is so gone. Like 
you know, like Very we said terrible. last week, you have depth guys playing in starter roles that they yep. just cannot keep up. So um, to your point there, Shane Bowen doing anything. Quentin he can. Bohanna, I believe. Is yes, there, Quentin Bohanna. Not a real um, person even, I don't think. So I don't, yeah. <laughs> A few linebackers that they have taken off the street for the past two weeks and continue yep. to take off the street. Otis Reese um, rocking and rolling. Yes. So, like you said, they're doing what he can do. He's doing what he can, you know? All right. We'll get to the news and the best big element here in just a second. One last thing to get to in the rundown the Titans Week 17 rooting guide. Here's what you should be pulling for without your pens and papers, folks. This is what you're going to be sitting down watching on Saturday and Sunday and Monday and tonight on Thursday Night Football, hoping to happen for the Titans to have the best possible uh, draft position. I believe at this, and JT, I need to be factored on this, but I believe the math at this point indicates that as long as the Titans lose at least one of their last two games, as long as they don't win out, they are guaranteed a top nine draft pick, which is fantastic news because there are nine or ten really, really, really good, arguably blue-chip players in this draft. So I don't think there's a necessarily a bad option in the top 10 for them. And they're all offensive players. If there are 10 potentially, arguably, blue-chip offensive players in this draft, that is good news. Um, they just need to not win out, which is possible, but I'd say very unlikely. Uh, that being said, they could, if everything went right for them this week, they could uh, improve their draft spot where they currently are at 7th, all the way up to as high as 3rd overall if everything went right. Unlikely but they are certainly capable of moving up a couple of slots. And here's how that happens. As always, it's, and by the way, got to give credit where it's due. This, we are ripping this straight from my buddy, our buddy, Justin Mello, or excuse me, wrong Justin, Justin Graver, friend of Justin Mello, the Justin Justin Show, MCA, used to the Audible here on the 440 Podcast Network. Free shout for them, great show. Uh, Justin Graver took the time to write out all of this. And here's what has to happen. Titans need to lose to Houston. If you're rooting for a draft position, uh, that's step one. Step two is fourfold. You need the other five-win teams to get to six wins and the other four-win teams to get to five wins. You need the other four, all the other four and five-win teams to win, which means you need the Giants to beat the Rams, the Chargers to beat the Broncos, the Patriots to beat the Bills, and the Commanders to beat the Niners. Certainly some really unlikely matchups in there. If you could get one or two of them, that's really great news. The rest is strength to schedule tiebreakers, um, so this is uh, the, the other strength of schedule tiebreakers that the Titans would like to have happen, ranked from most to least impactful. The the Raiders beating the Colts, the Jets beating the Browns tonight on Thursday Night Football, the uh, Chiefs beating the Bengals, the Cowboys beating Detroit, Chicago being, beating Atlanta, Miami beating Baltimore, Philly beating Arizona, Carolina beating Jacksonville, New Orleans beating Tampa Bay, Green Bay beating and Seattle beating, but the, just to give you a, a better one last run through for the teams rooting for this week. Root for Vegas, the Jets, Kansas City, Dallas, Chicago, Miami, Philadelphia, Carolina, New Orleans, Green Bay, and Seattle. But the big ones, again, if you can get wins from any of the following teams, the Giants, the Chargers, the Patriots, or the Commanders, those will go a long way to act. Each individual one should bump the Titans up one spot in the draft order if those teams get wins and Titans goes. So that is your rooting guide. If you are rooting for, and at this point, I think it's fair to be rooting for the Titans to get the best possible draft position. And with that, JT, let's dive into the news. What do you got for me, my friend? Yeah, the first thing that we're going to do is talk about the injury report for today. Let's talk about the guys that did not practice to start off the day. Uh, and just one, or, well, one with an injury. The others were non-injury related, but Aaron Brewer does not practice today with a knee slash ankle injury. Uh, but otherwise, a lot of limited here. Uh, and some guys who, who did not play last week that are finally uh, limited once again, you have guys like Sean Murphy Bunting, Caleb Murphy, um, Caleb Farley also uh, limited as well. He, even though he won't play, it's good to see him also out there. Um, yep. And then DeAndre Hopkins, Chris Moore, um, Daniel Brunskill, Danico Autry, all limited. Um, the big one right there, like like I said, Aaron Aaron Brewer, are you concerned at all about, about his availability this weekend? Um, I'm concerned that he won't play. I'm not super concerned if he can't play. He's, he's just, I, there, he's one of the players who's changed. My opinion of this player has changed most, most of the season. I was pretty bullish and incorrect uh, uh, about his ability to be a much better center than he was a guard. Again, 
He's the kind of guy that I think would be best suited with really stout help on either side because it's really a gadget offensive lineman if there ever was a thing. He is fantastic when you get him in the run game, getting him pulled. His athleticism really shows, and he can be a really nice tool in an elite run game. Titans don't have that. They don't have anything elite on their offensive line. So without him in the lineup, it'll be one of their backup interior offensive linemen. Maybe Corey Levin in there. Maybe they bump in uh, Daniel Brunskill to center, which is a possibility. I'd imagine it's probably one of those two guys. And uh, if that's the case, I don't think necessarily you see a huge drop-off, to be honest with you. Yeah, and even if they do uh, are without Aaron Brewer, the tech, the Texans defensive line might also be with uh, without a lot of guys um, with three de- uh, defensive front seven guys logging another DMP um, on Thursday today. Will Anderson with an ankle injury, Malik Collins with a hip and Jonathan Greenard with an ankle. So those are all guys that have not practiced yet this week, which would certainly give the Titans both a, a sigh of relief and kind of take some of the pressure off, but also leave the door open for Tier Tart to have a crack at his former team. And then the other big guy that uh, on this Houston Texans team that is back at practice, CJ Stroud, who uh, is in the final steps of clearing that concussion protocol and logged a full participation today. Obviously, we, we will see, uh, it is looking more and more like we will see CJ Stroud versus Will Levis, but mostly uh, this might be an, a second time here where the Titans play the Texans without Will Anderson. Yeah, which will be big. It'll be a, a big deal if they can get a game off, uh, another game off without him because of the fact that their offensive line is so poor at protecting the pass. And that is what Will Anderson does so, so well. Also does not hurt the run game, to be sure. Um, from what I've heard, it's kind of a 50-50 thing. It doesn't seem like he's a lock one way or the other. So as always, as we say on our Thursday show, check out the Friday injury report, which will be all over Twitter on my Twitter account. I used to freeze. You'll check it out. Uh, tomorrow. That'll be the most telling. Uh, pretty slow news week this week, JT. Anything else in the news? We're going to get to the best bet gauntlet. No, let's get to the best bet gauntlet. All right. It's time for me to have to brag on JT. Guys, JT went 5-0 and last week. Uh, he is sitting at 55-31-3 on the season, which is, I don't even know. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to sit here and make bad radio by figuring out the number on that because it is such a bonkers percentage so he is 63.9 percent on the year okay you did it fast yes 63 points almost 64 percent i i can't even be mad about that like i'm betting really well this year i'm sitting at 49 37 and four went three and two last week had yet another winning week we have uh been nearly plus 20 units since thanksgiving jt about a month and change so it's been a crazy tear for us here at the end. It's been free money if you've been tailing us in the best bet gauntlet. But on the year as a show, just what matters most here, competition is very important, but the show needs to succeed. And we are succeeding this year at 104, 68, and 7 this season. 60.4%, a bonkers percentage that we're going to look to keep up this week. And of course, you continue to go 4 and 1, 5 and 0. Oh, even when I have a winning week, I still get to go first. This week, no exception. So with my first pick of the week 17, best bet gauntlet. I'm taking a really ugly number. I'm taking Buffalo, minus 13 at home against New England. I think this is a murder spot for Buffalo. I think that they are just that much better. I think they, they are a top two team in the AFC. I think it's them in Baltimore right now at the top of the AFC. And I think that it's not particularly close, the next best teams. And because of that, I think the Buffalo at home coming off of a pretty tricky long road trip to the Chargers last week in which they survived, hung on against a bad team that was having their dead cat bounce after getting rid of the Wicked Witch of the West that was Brandon Staley. Um, That's always a tough spot to be put in as a team. They survive. They come back home. They know they need to win these last two games, especially against the Dolphins in Week 18. That's their big, big game of the year. They're going to be looking forward to that, but I don't think it's a look-ahead spot for them because this is a divisional rival as well. They'll take them seriously, and they know how to beat this Patriots team that is just insufficiently equipped to handle this game. Um, I I think the Bailey Zappi is just going to get killed out there. I like the way that this Buffalo defense has come along. Big news for Buffalo's defense, uh, by the way. Daquan Jones, former Titans legend, he's finally back off fire this week. He is a full participant in practice. 
He's going to be a go, which is huge for them in the interior. Helps stop that running attack from uh, from New England, which that's the kind of thing that that team's going to have to lean on to have a chance in this game. Uh, the Bills, we know, we've said this all year, they win big when they win historically under Josh Allen. When they win, they tend to win by over a touchdown. I think in this game, they get out to a lead really quickly, and that lead just grows all the way down to the wire. I'm really not concerned about a backdoor cover from Bailey Zappi. I think they win this game by at least two touchdowns. Yeah, I, I like that one. With my first pick here, this is one that I locked in earlier this week. I'm taking the Las Vegas Raiders plus a three and a half going to Indianapolis. Um, I like this number at three, and then it's jumped up to three and a half, and I can't believe that a fraudulent team like the Indianapolis Colts are getting more than a field goal favorite right now against yep. a team that, um, look, I, I know that this Las Vegas team has been very, very lucky, but their defense has been strong. Um, their new coach, they seem like they found maybe a guy who is a good fit for the future. I was about maybe. to say, the, the vibes continue to be just immaculate with this. They team. do. The vibes and, are and, so high. You know, if if, if Aiden O'Connell can, can uh, cover the spread against the Kansas City Chiefs without having to throw a single pass in the last three quarters, I'm sure that he can also do it against this Indianapolis Colts team. I once again, 10 incompletions, yes, zero it, yards. It, it, it is really just a tough spot for this Indianapolis team who I think uh, really has a chance to lose out here at, at the end of the season. Um, but I think Las Vegas is the hotter team right now. They still are in the fight here for a divisional uh, title, and they've it's been true. playing. It's they've been playing uh, very, very well. And I think over the hook, it, it's just too good to pass up. So I'm going to take Las Vegas plus three and a half. No, I love it. I, I I wanted that this week, but I knew as of like Monday we had talked, and you were like just so excited to bet this line. So I felt I have to respect you enough to better. I had to give this one to you. I'm glad you got it. Godspeed to you. I'll be betting it along with you. With my second pick of the Week 17 Best Bet Gauntlet, give me the Pittsburgh Steelers and Mike Tomlin at Seattle getting three in the hook, plus three and a half. Pittsburgh is on the road. Seattle, Titans fans saw firsthand last week. They're just not that good. They are a flaw. They're not a fraudulent team, but they're a deeply flawed team that is playoff caliber. They're going to probably get spanked early in the playoffs. They're going to have a very unceremonious exit. Um, Mason Rudolph playing quarterback for the Steelers team is actually an upgrade over Mitch Kissing Titties. Like that's that's a big deal. Uh, he's somebody that I actually trust in this spot more than Mitch Trubisky, and so that's important. But here's the overall handicap on this one, JT. Compare this Pittsburgh team to the Tennessee team that Seattle played last week, a team that again they barely won against and had to come from behind against Tennessee uh, on the road. This Pittsburgh team is essentially the exact same as the Tennessee team, but they have a better offensive line and a better defense. Like, I think that's kind of the whole thing. That it's, it's, it's kind of the exact team that the Titans were when the Seahawks played them last week, but upgraded up front on offense, which is important for the offense to function, and a far more resistant defense um, than the Titans are going to offer with nice pressure up front and a, a couple of nice young corners on the back end. To, to be much better than Trey Avery in this spot. And so for that reason, I think that, that this is a, a letdown spot for Seattle. They've had a lot of magic the last two weeks coming from behind to beat Tennessee at the very end of the game, coming from behind with backup Drew Locke to beat uh, the Eagles at the end of the game. That's going to run out eventually. I think this is the spot. The, the final and most important point here, JT, is that I don't you're not a huge Bible scholar, but I am, so let me just tune you in real quick. The 11th commandment, as we all know, is that Mike Tomlin has to go over 500. And so he needs a win here at the end of the season to make that happen. I think it happens here. Give me Tomlin and the boys to cover plus three and a half. Yeah, with that hook, it's too good to pass up. I'll be with you on that one because, like you said, this is the spot for Tomlin to secure that uh, above the universe 500 must season. Write itself. It's um, a law of, and it's, so it's one of Newton's laws. It's, it's one of most. This is what's going to happen. It, 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 um, it is the way it must be. Yeah, definitely a sell spot here for Seattle. With my next pick, this is another line that I was able to snag today, actually, on, on a certain site that gave it to me, BetMGM. But I'm taking the Cincinnati Bengals plus seven and a half uh, going to Arrowhead to play the Kansas City Chiefs. This game has already started to come back on that number. I believe it's now six and a half, so I'm really glad that I was able to snipe that one um, here. But 
Kansas City, like this could be a spot to buy Kansas City. But then again, the, this this Cincinnati team always seems to have their number, at least defensively. They're getting some key players back. Cam Taylor Britt is coming back. He's logged two full practices. Jamar Chase also practiced today. Did you today. see what Jamar said today, by the way? The I did locker? not, no. He, uh, a classic spot for Jamar Chase. The the local media asking him about this Chiefs defense. And he's, I'm paraphrasing, but he essentially said, they ain't got nobody on that defense that you know. Like it's it's not like they have. He said they, they don't have a Jalen Ramsey back there. Like I, there's it's a nameless, faceless defense. I'm not. There's nothing to be afraid of with that defense. Uh, don't know if how if I love the fuel and the fire, but you gotta love the confidence, right? I, I do like the confidence. It's also a big game for this offensive line. Orlando Brown Jr. going back to the Chiefs to play them this season. I don't think there really is a difference between like a Jake Browning or an Aiden O'Connell like there was last week. Um, they also playing in in Arrowhead there. Um, but yeah, seven and a half, even at seven, I think it's too many points for this Chiefs team that uh, it was really, it, they, they could be in trouble here if they continue their losing ways. Um, so I'm going to take Cincinnati with the points. With my, I love that bet. I'll be with you on that one. Uh, with my third pick of the week 17, best bet gone. Give me Ty God. It's a Ty God spot for Tyrod Taylor. I'm taking the Giants plus five and a half at home against the Rams, a red hot team. Rams that I don't want this count. Not at all. But I think this is a big time backdoor cover spot. Tyrod is that he's referred to in the betting community as Ty God Taylor because he is a backdoor cover God. He's a cover machine. That's all this guy does in his career when he comes in. He's gonna be in this week. The uh the Tommy Cutlass dream is no longer. He got whacked by the mafia as he fittingly should have. And so we've got Tyrod in here for this Giants team that needs to cover plus five and a half. I would not be shocked if this number continues to trend up. So maybe this is one you earmark as something you bet on the day of. Get a six, six and a half. Maybe a, a stupid book gives you a seven. What bank on that? But it's a possibility. Um, a really simple handicap here in the sense that uh, the, the Rams are facing the 49ers next week. So it's a big look ahead spot for them. They're going to want to win that game uh, to, to get into the playoffs. And I think that folks are going to look at this spot. Better are going to look at the spot and say, Okay, the Rams know they have to win one of these last two games at least to get into the playoffs. This is probably going to be a spot they want to do it, right? And that makes sense on the surface. When you dive into the numbers, I think this is a really interesting statistic. Teams in the final two weeks of the season that need a win to make the postseason, going up against a team who has a worse record than them, are 40% against the spread in the last 20 years. So it's a little bit of a reverse psychology. The numbers tend to get a little bit overinflated for these teams that need the win. You fade them, you get the cover, not the win, get the cover. I think that it's all uh, very much in the cards. You're absolutely a possibility that we see the Rams win by three. You get a really nice, comfortable cover of that five and a half. Give me the Giants plus five and a half at home against the Rams. Yeah, I think it's a fine sell spot for a Rams team that has, they've covered the past couple of weeks, but it's been by the skin of their teeth. Um, yes. it, it's been very close, and I think this is one where where this team with Tyrod Taylor is a lot better than they are with Tommy DeVito. My next pick here, I'm going to continue with the road dog trend here. Um, I'm going to take Atlanta plus three against mm-hmm. Chicago. Uh, really, this is just, I don't see the Chicago team being that much better than this Atlanta team. Um, this is the top of the market for Chicago. Absolutely. I think it's, it's kind of weird for them to be three point favorites, but like you said, this is, this is a, uh, this is an Atlanta team that needs, if they want any chance of staying alive, they are the more desperate team right now, Love other that. than Chicago. Yep. Um, this is also a team that with Taylor Heineke in there as well. That's always an upgrade, even though it is a little one over Desmond Ritter. Um, and I think they have the better offense. And I think this is going to be a closer game than than just three points. And, and I'm, I'm willing to to lay that comfortable three against the Chicago team that I don't think um, is really playing for anything besides the development and future of that team as they already really uh, have at least one draft pick uh locked up so it doesn't really matter for them um and i don't really see this game especially being in chicago late december um i I like this spot for atlanta so give me them plus three i like it a lot with my fourth pick of the week 17 best pick i'm going with this maybe the squarest bet i've made all year long jt give me tampa bay minus two and a half at home against new orleans every single professional sharp better that i know of and i know quite a few of them they're on New Orleans this week. 
They love New Orleans in the spot. They think that this is a great, ugly buy spot for a, a New Orleans team that has done nothing but disappoint betters all year long. They have failed to cover in, I think, like 10 of their 11 of their 15 games, something like a, a mo, a, like 70% of them, they failed to cover. Uh, they've been a, a betting black hole this year, and this feels like the buy time. So it's a sell time for a Tampa Bay team and a Baker team that is, is bound to Baker eventually. I can't do it. I can't. I will go down like a man with the ship of the public on Baker and this Tampa Bay team. You just couldn't pay me to bet on this. And this is usually the spot where I'm like, guys, it's gross. You got to hold your nose. You got to do it. It's the, not, I'm not doing it. I, I think that this is a too cute by half spot for betters. Uh, I think that Tampa Bay is just a better team. And if you're going to give me under the field goal, under the field goal, a field goal to cover, I've got to do it. i got to go Tampa Bay minus two and a half versus New Orleans. If they burn me, they burn me. I'll at least go down with my dignity. I could not in good faith bet New Orleans and then lose and then show my face back on this podcast again. Couldn't do it. <laughs> with my next pick here, this is this is one for me that it, it's a pretty simple one, but I'm taking Green Bay plus one. It's almost also a pick em right now on Sunday night football against Minnesota. This is pretty easy for me. Jaron Hall is now the quarterback there. Um, he's going to be without his also his security blanket and TJ Hawkinson, who absolutely tore up his knee and won't he will not be seeing the field for for a while. Um, this is this is a Green Bay spot where I think it's a divisional it's a divisional rivalry here. Um, Jordan Love is the better quarterback, even though without Jair Alexander, I don't know if that defense really falls off too much. Um, th- this has been a defense that really without Jair has been able to to be okay. There also might be without Jordan Addison. They're going to have Justin Jefferson in there, um, who's always a threat. However, I think this Green Bay team is just the better team right now, and I'm going to back Matt LaFleur to 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 be able to win against a, a Jaron Hall-led Vikings offense. So give me Green Bay plus one. Yeah, I don't hate that at all. With my fifth and final pick of the Week 17 best bet gauntlet, give me, yet again, betting against the Dallas Cowboys, Detroit plus five and a half at Dallas. I've said it all year. I am undefeated in saying this, JT. I'm putting the record on the line here. Dallas has not beaten a great team all year. I don't think this is where it changes. I think that Detroit wins this game, but certainly I see them covering this big number of five and a half. Yet another game that I would wait to bet. Dallas always the squarest line of the week because there's so many dumb Homer Cowboys betters that are willing to put their money on the Cowboys come Saturday and Sunday. And because of that, I think you should wait to see if you can get an even better number on this Detroit, Detroit team. But it's a bit of a pros Joe spot here. Uh, some more of the bigger groups on uh, Detroit based on the numbers on the Action Network. Uh, a lot of the money on Dallas nationally, that tends to be the case each year or each week. But my handicap is really simple. I don't think Dallas is a great team when they're playing great teams. You're getting Jared Goff indoors. Some folks are arguing that Dallas is the more desperate team here to keep pace with the Eagles in their division. I would argue Detroit is more desperate because they are tied for the lead in the NFC, and they know if they win out, they got a chance to have the one seed. They'd like that one seed. You want to play inside in Detroit the entire playoff. I think they're going to come out with guns blazing in this spot, even Detroit plus five and a half at Dallas. Yeah, and with my final pick here, I'm going, once again, I'm taking all road underdogs this week i'm taking the los angeles chargers plus three and a half at denver here once again getting a hook in a divisional game like this um where the the, this broncos team is kind of a mess right now and i think that they're going to be distracted in this game especially considering they're benching russell wilson for financial reasons uh and putting in jared stidham and it's always funny this is like the fourth time i think in the history of the nfl that we have another team that's uh, currently in the let's see what we have in Jarrett Stidham era uh, of, of their season. So um, it, it has not worked out for, for a lot of these teams. He's one and one all time against the spread. Uh, and this Denver team, I think, is going to be really, really distracted in this matchup uh, based on just kind of where they are right now. This is also a Los Angeles Chargers team that I think is is punching above their weight right now. Um, without Brandon Staley, this is a team that, like we said, really um, stopped, you know, believing in Brandon Staley. And now with, with a new interim head coach, guys are going to be playing for, for their jobs in the future. And, and this is a spot where I think three and a half is too much. So I'm going to take the Chargers and the points. 
All right. And so with that, we've finished our picks for the week 17 best bet gauntlet in review. Get your pens and pads back out, folks. Write these down. If you're making money, we'd love for you to make it with us. JT, like you said. Oh, road dogs. Very strange theme this week. Hope it pans out for you. If you go 5-0 and again, I'll eat my shorts. But let's hope for a good week. Las Vegas, plus 3.5 at Indy. Cincy, plus 7.5 at Kansas City. Atlanta, plus 3 at Chicago. Green Bay, plus 1 at Minnesota. And the Los Angeles Chargers, plus 3.5 at Denver. I'm rocking with Buffalo, minus 13 at home against New England. Pittsburgh, plus 3.5 at Seattle. The Giants, plus 5.5 at home against the Rams. The Buccaneers, minus 2.5 at home against New Orleans. And the Detroit Lions, plus 5.5 at Dallas. That is our Week 17 Best Bet Gauntlet, and that is our show. Appreciate JT satelliting in from New Jersey. Appreciate everyone here at Food Boss Craft Pizza and Tap House for having us each week, even when it's just being a laptop. It is popping here, JT. I'm going to go enjoy the people and the party and see what's happening. Would love for those of you in in the area to, to consider coming out and joining us today or in the future. We'll be here each and every Thursday, at least to the Super Bowl. Now, we've had discussions about some drafts, some draft season arrangements, announcements to come in the near future. But for now, through February what third, whatever the Super Bowl is, the beginning of February. We'll be here every Thursday through the playoffs. Looking forward to it. Until Sunday afternoon, when JT, you and I will be recapping the Titans-Texans game. I'm your host, Easton Freeze. For producer JT, this has been the Hot Read Podcast. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Sunday. Uh-huh.